0: Today on Talking Yanks, we have a very special guest joining us. We are very excited to have him calling in. If you've clicked play already, that means you know because it's titled. It's right there in the title. Michael K is joining us. We're recording this intro before Michael even joins in, because we just wanted to let everyone know that we are sitting here nervous, excited, kind of perplexed on where we are. So if you're a first-time listener, I should say my name's John Boy. My co-host is Jake. I'm in New Jersey. Jake, you're in Denver. Hey, hey, Jim. <laughs> hey, man. Hey. Um. Yeah. You got anything to say? I mean... Yeah. Okay, I, we started... I, a, I, I think we're going to have a lot of first-time listeners. We started a podcast last year as a hobby, as a joke. We have went full in. We do it. We have do series recaps with everything. We have some sponsorships. We have a Patreon, which people are really nice. And if you want to be nice and subscribe to Patreon to support us, you can do that. Patreon.com slash talking to There's all kind of perks. We'll get into that at later if you told me last year michael k that i'd have a conversation with michael k i think i i think i just i think i i think i'd laugh and say how why meet and greet but now he's calling into our show to talk to us so i mean just this is very cool and nice of him like incredibly nice of him
1: yeah and that's kind of how i suckered you into doing this because we were like all right let's let's get set up early we'll be prepared and I don't know. I, I think it's good to be like, yeah, there's some nerves. I, I've mentioned recently when we talked to Ryan Ruco a couple episodes back that I talked about Joe Tory and how if I saw Mr. Tory, how I'd be this, <laughs> I wouldn't be myself. I'd be this respectful. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Just <laughs> blindly kind-hearted person to Joe Tory because he's a part of my childhood. I start thinking about Kay and it's a lot of the same thing. And I think like you just said, if a year a year and a half ago you mentioned this we we would have laughed hysterically or been like oh we r- we ran into him at Duncan and snapped a pick. um so yeah this this is super cool i think and uh, i i won't give too much of a preface but you know we we want to talk to michael k it's not going to be uh what what do you think about greg bird's season like no we we want to talk to michael k so um we're excited Yep. So we got Michael
0: K. joining. Uh, we we want to talk to him more about him in the booth and the Yes booth than just getting his opinions on the team because obviously we know Michael K.'s opinions on the teams and we know where to get them if we want to find them. So we're not trying to, you know, he's being nice enough to join our show and we think it'd be kind of silly to make him just repeat himself after he did his whole, you know, radio show. I want to know more about his calls, his booth mates, the Yes network, all that stuff. I hope you guys are interested in that as much as I am. Here's Michael K joining Jake and I on Talking Yanks. Okay, we are joined now by the voice of the New York Yankees, host of the Michael K show, and recent Vin Scully award winner, Michael K. Thank you very much for joining us. You got it, guys. My pleasure. So we have a bunch of questions, some topics we want to get into, but our first. Pressing question is, do you believe in hot?
2: I do believe in hot and I think I'm in, in stark contrast to the analytic crowd uh, because I also believe in, in gut where whereby I think that certain innings take a certain sort of demeanor and mindset and again, uh, the analytic crowd, which I, uh, for the most part I'm in lockstep with, but there's certain things I, I just don't fall over myself with. I They, they believe that Everybody's interchangeable. I just don't. I just think that Araldis Chapman is better suited to save a game than Chad Green because Chad Green's never done it and might not be able to do it in that role. And and I do believe in hot. I think that uh, the times I've questioned Aaron Boone about it this year, he obviously does not believe in hot. But I think that uh, Neil Walker had two home runs or Greg Bird had two home runs earlier this year, and they they didn't play him the next day. I just I don't get that, guys. It it has never made sense to me. And they say, well you know, we don't believe in hot because you don't get into the streets like that. I said, well, it has to start somewhere. So if a guy, you know, I guess Joe DiMaggio never would have hit 56
0: straight games because they don't believe in hot. We loved when you went down and asked Boone that because it's a question that the fan base had been dying to know for a while and uh, hadn't been asked. So we were kind of wondering if it was fun for you to go down into the... Because usually you're doing the pregame and you went down and in the with the beat reporters asked that question. But was that something... You miss doing or like being able to have those exchanges with Boone because it was uh, it was refreshing yeah. to finally get that question asked. Well, I can do
2: it. Uh, I can. I'm always at the press conference on Saturday and Sunday when there's no radio show, and if there's an afternoon game during the weekdays, and, and I love it. I mean, because in in my soul, I'm still a newspaper writer, and you know, I would ask Billy Martin or Lou Piniella those questions. So uh, I think it's great, and and Boone is so amenable to it you know he's he's not the type of guy that is going to get ticked off and you know like even after that exchange that we had that was on camera yes we spoke outside the uh, the press room where he he went even deeper into it so he's you know he's not above being questioned and he doesn't get the hair on the back of his neck up and I think that's one of his positives that's really a, a real positive for him.
0: You mentioned back in the the newspaper writing days. I want to know, you do so much now with the play-by-play and the talk radio. When you were at Fordham, what was what was the big goal then? Was it to do play-by-play, to have a talk radio show, or was it always to kind of do everything? Now,
2: the goal, uh, from when I was nine years old, when I realized I, I couldn't hit worth anything, I just wanted to be the broadcaster for the Yankees. That was it since I was nine, obviously, I'm sure there's a lot of nine-year-olds that feel that way, but you know, fortune has shined on me, and I've been able to do it. And the reason I got into the newspaper part is that you know, coming out of Fordham, I had a really, really thick Bronx accent. And they said for, for me to become a broadcaster, I'd have to go to the middle of the country and work my way back, small radio stations. And I just know me, I wouldn't have been able to do that. So I ended up becoming a writer at the Post and then the news. Uh, the the talk show stuff just kind of fell into my lap. I always enjoyed doing it. I had a talk show in college at Fordham, uh, three hours a night, uh, three hours every Sunday night called One on One, and I really liked doing it, but I, I never thought I was gonna have a you know, a future in it. But when I started ESPN, uh, Tim McCarthy was had always been a fan of mine, and he was running um, ESPN radio, and then said, you, know, you wanna try to do this talk show? And the only concern I had was to try to reconcile both of them, and I didn't wanna cheat either one. And I think I've worked it out. And the fact that the show is simulcast now, so it's all kind of like one family with two families together, it kind of works out. But, you know, the talk show was never my my dream. Just broadcasting the Yankees was my dream.
1: Michael, this is Jake. Hopefully you can hear me. Otherwise, Jimmy will translate. But it's it's good to hear that the three of us, that none of us are hitters. That's good news. We've got that in common. Um, but circling back on the career path we were all curious about the Yes stuff and where Yes started in kind of 2002 to where it is now, and what what were kind of some of the smooth transitions and growing pains, and what's changed the most over that time period. Well, you know
2: what? I, when Yes was being discussed, I was in my 10th season doing the radio with John Sterling, and I thought that that was going to be my job, hopefully for the rest of you know my life or well, my professional life. Uh, I never even thought I was being considered. I never even applied. I. And John Filippelli, who put the whole Yes Network together, had just heard me doing the radio and also had seen me doing the pre- and post-game shows on MSG. And he liked what he saw. So uh, asked me if I wanted to do it. And, you know, it was a little bit of a gamble. Nobody knew if Yes was going to work. Um, And our first year, we weren't even carried on cable vision systems. So that wasn't great. Um, But um, I I decided to take a shot. And uh, 17 years later... Probably the best shot I ever took. Uh, yes, was you know top of the line, first class, right from the very first day that it started. You know, we do a broadcast that we think is comparable to any national broadcast that Fox or TBS puts together for the playoffs and uh, and ESPN. And uh, you know, I'm really proud of working there. I think they do everything first class.
0: I I made a point on one of our episodes earlier: it was the Oakland series with the Gary Sanchez tag Gardner threw it from left field uh, on the replay where he just barely tagged him. And if Yes Network wasn't one of the production teams on that game, that would have never got overturned because they have the Yesmo slow-mo from every angle, which the A's broadcast didn't have. I went back and checked both. So it's crazy that the technology is actually playing into on-field decisions a little bit. And Yes is uh, shining bright there.
2: Yeah, it it, it it might be something that's not really equal with with replay because you know there should be the same amount of cameras and tape machines for every single team, but we do the same amount of cameras for every game that Fox does, you know, for postseason games for the most part. Now they World Series they do a lot more, but we 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 really do try to put a national broadcast on. And uh, when when yes started, that was the agreement between John Filippelli and George Steinbrenner. I want this to be like a national broadcast. I mean, they probably failed with the, uh, with the play-by-play guy, but in terms of the cameras and the technology, we certainly, uh, we, we, we could compare with national broadcasts.
0: <laughs> well, I wanted to talk about you and your booth mates. I did some research. I think it's correct. You have shared the booth with players that span six different decades. Cott pitched in 1959 to Flash in 2005. So you've you've been having conversations during games with players for the last fifty years. Is there a player out there now that, or do you do you watch games and talk to players and think mm, they they would be fun to have a booth in with me? Is there a guy out there that you think is destined to be a, a color guy in the future?
2: Uh, I I always thought A Rod was going to be great. I told him that just because of love of baseball and the the way he's able to communicate it when you're sitting with him at the locker. But it's funny you mention that because the other day, um, the day that Romine hit his 10th home run, Meredith interviewed him on the field. And both Kenny and I were listening and the truck was listening. And I think that Austin Romine, if he wants to, could be a great announcer. He's got a really easy way to speak. He's got a nice voice. Uh, I think catchers break down the game as well as anybody because they they see every part of it from behind the plate. Uh, So I, I think that... That probably surprised you a little bit. I think Austin Romine could be really good.
0: And he also comes from a baseball family, so it's probably yeah. in, it's in his blood. The original Yes crew was Cott and Bobby Mercer, and now it's kind of Coney and O'Neal. Do you see any similarities in the type of player that you know uh, excels in the booth? For me, I know that Mercer and O'Neal both bring a level of humor to the games that I think it's similar. I find myself laughing at, at them a lot, with them. They're pretty humorous. Uh, is there any similarities between the guys that come up?
2: Um, I, I don't think that there's any one thing that everybody has, but I will tell you this, guys. I don't know if you agree. I think the best broadcaster in baseball right now, the best analyst in baseball, hands down, other people might get more publicity, uh, might get more props uh, for whatever reason. David Cohen is state-of-the-art. Because David Cohn covers every single facet of what you want to broadcast. He's funny, played the game at a high level, uh, was a big winner, five World Series rings, and he has embraced analytics more than any other modern player, anybody. And he's able to also explain it to the point where people understand it. You know, that was the one thing that our boss, John Filippelli, said. You know, if you're going to do the analytics, you've got to explain it because not everybody... Not everybody gets it. So he can explain FIP. He can explain um, F war. He can do any of that stuff and make it understandable to the general public. So uh, I just think that all of our guys are different. Um, you know, O'Neill is, is our, our Rizzuto. You guys might be too young to remember how Phil was. Uh, and I, I believe that, you know, the uh, booth of Al Leiter and, and Rizzuto, I always, uh, Al Lighter and O'Neill, I always say, is like flying a kite. In an electrical storm you never know what you're going to get. So they, they all they all have different they all have different uh, things that they add to the broadcast and you know I'm, I'm sure maybe your next question or so would be who's my favorite to work with and I really I, I like if they surprise me every day I would never walk into the booth and be disappointed and go oh it's him. I think they're all unbelievable. They all, they're all great. Some combinations might work better than others, but in terms of like individually they're all they're all outstanding.
1: Yeah, we, we weren't going to ask you to play favorites, but we were going to ask you how that relationship kind of changed. You went from being the guy that would interview Cone, O'Neill, well, Booney, but that's a whole different thing. How's your relationship with those guys changed from being, I don't know, kind of the, the postgame interview or whenever you see them, the beat reporter, to now, I mean, you guys are buddies in the booth. How, how's that been for you?
2: It's, it's definitely different. I mean, I think that when you're a reporter, there's more of an adversarial relationship where you're trying to get information that they probably don't want to give up. Uh, working together, we're all on, we, nobody on any team looks at a reporter as being on their team. And, and the reporter should look at that and shouldn't want it. But we're all on the same team. So, you know, we, we go out to dinner together on the road. All of those guys were at my wedding I mean, we're friends. I mean, I'd want them over my house. That's that's how we feel about each other. But when I covered them in that sense, we had good relationships. Uh, but it was never to that extent. You just, you just don't get to that extent because they never let you in like that. So it's been refreshing to actually work with these guys and get to be in the inner circle of their life because you weren't able to do that when they played.
0: We're younger, so... When you started and and you're doing play by play for yes, and now you you have the the see ya the signature call, which oh the moment with your kids in the booth and and your kids loving the see ya call is that that was amazing. That's a really good moment. I was that was I was awesome to see. But my question is, was was home run calls like that? Did you know you needed to find one? Were those an established thing for play-by-play guys as they are now? Because you have one of the more recognizable ones across MLB, I would, I would guess. I come from a biased Yankee I, I, fan. I didn't...
2: You know what? I guess I felt I had to have one. I mean, it wasn't like something that, gee, I can't start this career unless I have one. But right before you know, I got the radio job, I was dating a young lady. Um she lived in Suffern, New York. And every time at the end of a date I would drop her off at her house, she'd pop out of the door and go, see ya, wouldn't want to be ya. <laughs> and, which I think is a line from New Jack City when they threw a kid off the bridge. But um, I just filed that away and I said, maybe that could be the home run call. And it's always dangerous because you know people always go, well, if it sounds too contrived. I mean, let's all be honest here. Every home run call is contrived. You know, going, going, God is contrived. I mean, nothing, nothing is like just right from the soul, from the moment that the ball is hit. So, I just wanted it to be something that would be fun, and certainly would translate into a home run. And uh, that—that's how it came about. But uh, there wasn't pressure on me to have a home run call. But I just felt it would be fun to have one, just to distinguish my call from others. And you know, I knew working with John, John, you know, had it as high and as far as gone. I wasn't trying to compete with him, but I said, "Well, I have to have one too." And thanks to that young lady, I have one.
0: <laughs> I didn't know that's the history of it. That's pretty interesting. And I was going to ask if there was ever a point where you considered changing it, trying a new one, but I think now with your your kids recognizing and loving it, I think you can't.
2: Well, you know what? Every home run is not see you, though. Uh, you know, if it gets out in a hurry, I'll just say it's gone or something like that because, you know, you, I don't think it should be fake. You know, that, that has to be used all the time. One thing that gets Yankee fans upset, and I wonder what you guys feel, when I say see it for other people's home runs, you know, the opposing team. And that's one thing about, yes, we we do about as down the middle of broadcast as any local team broadcast. I really, I believe that. And I think Yankee fans really get upset sometimes when I show excitement when the other team hits a home run. Obviously, you know, you get more excited when the Yankees do because it's great for the network. And, you know, if the Yankees win, the Yankee fans are happy and that's good as well. But, uh yeah, but, but Sia is not for every call. i uh, I say it's probably for 90% of them, but I, I do use, you know, I'll, I'll probably do about 10% of home run calls that don't end in Sia.
0: I'd say those fans who think that you shouldn't do that should. I lived in California back in the early 2000s and had to get, you know, we just got whatever home feed was for games. And some of the other announcers are very much homers. And it was kind of nice to, to hear the yes. And you have to put emphasis in big moments, whether it's for you or against you, because it's a big moment. So I don't mind the CF or other opponents at all.
2: And it, it is amazing. Uh, i tell you what, most home team broadcast, and I'm not this. I'm not saying this in a pejorative way, they are homers. I mean, the great Hawk Allison, when yeah. he's broadcasting games, those good guys two, bad guys one. Or the <laughs> White Sox hits a long fireball, get out, get out. I mean, that's, I th- in Chicago, that's like, Required. You have to like kind of root for your team. I don't think it would fly in New York. Gary Cohen doesn't do it and I don't do it. and I, I don't think any of the other teams' broadcasters do it. You just don't root for the team. You don't say we.
0: Yeah. I think it goes, that's like a whole thing with New York versus, you know, the whole media market and how the reporters are a little tougher on the team where in some like, you know, it's like the reporters are, are just shining light on every player. That's how I felt in other places I've lived where. In New York, it's it's like a lot of uh, emphasis on being straightforward and telling it how it is, good and bad. So you got to play it a little more down the middle here, I think.
2: Well, I, I think so. And, you know, the, the the radio and TV critics in this town, I mean, they're looking to pass anyway. And if you ever did that, you'd really get crushed. And, you know, the one thing that I find uh, humorous is that, you know, people say John Sterling's a homer. Now, now John wants the Yankees to win. Don't get me wrong. But... I, I defy anybody to go back and listen on YouTube. I think it's on YouTube of John's call of Luis Gonzalez getting the game-winning hit in Game Seven in two thousand and one. You would not know he was the Yankee announcer. He is so down the middle in calling the game. Obviously, he's critical uh, of the Yankees more than most home team broadcasters are. So, I think uh, I think that Yankee broadcasters for some reason always looked at it as being pro-Yankee. Well, I mean, Met broadcasters are pro-Met. I just don't think we show it as much as as people claim that we do. I, I I don't think I do for sure.
0: Yeah, I've I've never. I think it's the most down the middle, and I always say that like you guys will get up for home runs. I think it's it's I think the proof's in the pudding, and the, all the evidence of it is right there. We were talking about you said uh, you know all home runs are kind of all home run calls are a little bit contrived. I wanted to ask about kind of the special calls. My favorite of your call is the history with an exclamation point. Now, I don't know if this is a trade secret, but do you go into that if he hits a homer, I have this, or is that genuinely just on the spot?
2: It's usually always on the spot, and that was not planned. And I I tell the story and people think that I'm out of my mind. The night before that game, I had a dream like actually sleeping dream. It wasn't like I was daydreaming. (laughs) I had a dream that Jeter had a home run for his 3,000th hit. And I'm announcing the game in my dream. And in my dream, I said, history with an exclamation point. Then the next day it happens and it just came out. It wasn't planned. It just came out and I said, holy cow. I said, that was my dream. (laughs) So I, I, I didn't sit there and like write out, okay, if it's a double, this is what it's gonna be. And if it's a triple, nobody ever thought it was gonna be a home run. And uh, it just came out because I had dreamed it the night
0: before. That's one of my, my favorite of yours. I also like, uh, I think this, Thank you. this had to be on radio, the 2001 ALCS, I believe, with the Get Your Tokens Ready for the Subway Series. I, that was totally off the, off the cuff. That one didn't is think great. About it. Yeah, that one. I would. it. Yes Network was doing the Yankeeography, and uh, they used that line in, for that season. I just got shivers on my couch like 20 years later. I was like, that was fantastic. You know
2: what's sad, though? is that it's the the is totally obsolete now now it has to be get your metro cards ready. I know I did think about that as well.
0: <laughs> like, like, my little brother wouldn't even understand what you were saying. Like what? why are you, you going on a carnival ride?
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty good.
0: You dive into Twitter pretty pretty big and you don't have to but you do which I think most people uh, appreciate. When Twitter first came out and did you say this is going to be a great avenue for me, this is going to be fun? And have you ever backpedaled and said, I wish Twitter didn't exist because of the people that are on there?
2: I I didn't like it at the beginning. I don't like the nastiness of it. Now, uh, I was forced to go on it by the people at ESPN and yes. And I think it's an invaluable tool to gather information. But once you dive into that cesspool where you're interacting with people that uh, a lot of times are not rational, it gets ugly. It really does get ugly, and if you look at my early Twitter stuff, I mean, I, I got in some trouble because, you know, somebody insulted my wife, and I went back at him. and I just realized, you know, over time, I've learned to use Twitter a lot better, and I never get into that because people are trying to troll you and get you to say these things, and I don't do it, but, you know, anybody that says, like, they're not on Twitter and they're doing the job that I do, they, they're they missing Information that's endless, endless. I, I mean, if you follow the right people and the right reporters and the right people that do stats and stuff like that, there's no way that in 2017 a broadcaster wouldn't be 30 times better than a broadcaster without Twitter. There's just no way because there's information at your fingertips that Mel Allen never had, that Red Barber could never imagine. I mean, they, they had just what was in front of them. Now we have background and stories and stuff like that. It's part of my preparation for both jobs every single day. Not not the mention part, but just the people I follow.
1: Yeah. And it's, it was wild for us because Twitter came out when we were, well, it was before college, but it got popular when we were in college and we, we had it as almost a joke. Like, oh, let's get Twitter. Sure. And then we ignored it for a while. And then as you've seen, I mean, Jimmy took off with some of the gifts and vids and all that stuff and we're deep in Yankee world now. And it's just wild, and it's, I love you, and Scott Van Pelt is one of my favorite sports guys, and it's it's awesome seeing you guys interact. I mean, what's, what's like, the message you'd send to the Twitter world <laughs> about how to do it differently or how to be a better Yankee fan, or, or what, what do you want to see Twitter become more of for Yankee fans? Well, I
2: think it serves its purpose now. I mean, it's almost like a, uh, uh, you know, the street corner that used to have in the 50s where they argued. Willie, Mickey, and the Duke. You know, it's kind of like a, a general store for fans to air their grievances, so to speak. I mean, I, I wish that it could be a little bit more civil. I mean, it gets very, very personal, but I don't think, you know, the, the more you ask people to be more civil, the more they will not. So I just—I don't know if that's a solvable thing. I just think that's, that's part of what Twitter is and, and part of the charm as well. But um, the, the thing that frustrates me, there was a game against Miami uh, I think they, the Yankees lost the game. And people, I mean, were starting a fire Boone hashtag. And I just uh, I just couldn't believe it. You know, people say I'm an apologist for Boone. I'm not an apologist. I think he's done exactly what he was hired to do. And anybody that got that job would have to do that job in the exact same way. That's what they were looking for in this position. And I started to go back and forth. And, you know, people are just nasty. So, And that, then if people get nasty to you and you kind of take a shot back... Oh, I can't believe you do that. Aren't you above that? Well, well, well no, I'm not a pinata. Uh, I'm allowed to answer you back if you say something that I don't like. But they, they just think it's just a one-way, you know, they're throwing darts and they hit the dartboard and they don't expect the dartboard to throw a dart back. But, you know, I was born in the South Bronx. So I'm occasionally going to throw a dart back. So I just <laughs> think that, that that fans should like the fact that an announcer for their team actually interacts with them. But, uh if, if you the thing is that on Twitter, if you don't agree with their premise and you don't agree with their narrative, then you're you know you're the worst. You smell, you know, you, you have cooties and stuff like that. that. That's I think the problem with
0: with Twitter. I think the the good thing about Twitter is that those people out themselves pretty quickly. The problem is trying to figure out how to avoid them and not read what they send you anymore while still being able to interact with the good people. But that's the, well, you that's know the what balance. I've done and This is, this is the thing I think
2: really helped me. I look at, I look at the people I follow during games, you know, for breaking news in the sports or, you know, whatever might be a stat that comes up with the Yankees and historical uh, perspective. I don't look at mentions anymore because sometimes that would get in my head and I can't let myself get in my head when I'm doing a game. That, that I stopped years ago. That that's a real negative because that can that can get away from you because people are so ne- all you have to do is misqualify ball and you're the worst. How'd you <laughs> get this job? You know, stuff like that. So that's that's the way I consume it now. During games I will never look at mentions. Now, maybe after a game I'll scroll through, but for the most part I just uh, I just watch the people
0: I follow. My, yeah, my, 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 interactions are far less than yours, obviously, but I had some people in there and they started to annoy me and I was like, why does this person hate me so much, blah, blah, blah. And then I finally followed them and read their tweets for a day and said, oh, I don't value this person's opinion at all. So right, th- that got out of me. Yeah, I mean, that's a rational
2: way to look at it. And you know, I had something a couple of weeks ago where on the talk show, I was off, I was on vacation and I called in because it's after the Yankees got swept by the Red Sox. And I felt like if I didn't go on the radio show that day, people would think, oh, Yankee boy is just avoiding the radio because he doesn't want to talk about the Red Sox swept the Yankees. So I called in, and I I didn't, in a clunky manner, I said how the Yankees could really use Clint Frazier, and I said, you know, shame on him for not being healthy. And right away, you know, they took it that, you know, I'm questioning a guy's concussion, and Clint Frazier didn't help either because he sent out a tweet rather than just contacting me directly and saying – you shouldn't question this, you know, you're not, you know, and it just became an ugly thing. That's when Twitter becomes dangerous waters, because, you, you know, people want it to become a thing. They want to see you get disciplined. They'd love to see somebody get fired over a misstep. So, you know, Don and I always talk about it, Don McGregor, who I do the radio show with, we always talk about, like, people are waiting to pounce. I mean, we're on here four hours a day live. I mean, there's a good chance we'll say something stupid. <laughs> and if you say something really stupid, you're going to lose your job. So that's, that's the difference in the world right now because Twitter becomes
0: an instant forum for any mistake that you make. Yep, it's the, it's the public police, and they think that what they say is law. Well, we can get off the topic of Twitter, but that is, it is interesting how much it has combined itself into the sports world. And, uh, well, thank, we thank you for coming on. We wanted to know where, where will you be watching the wild card game from?
2: If it's a Yankee Stadium, which is now coming into question, uh, I will watch it uh, from one of the booths uh, close to the radio booth. I think there's an empty booth during the wild card game. And uh, otherwise, I might just go sit in the yes suite.
0: Okay, so you get the same for you. We wanted I, I know you've said this before, and then I'll, I'll let you go. I know we're taking up a lot of your time. But I know you've said this before about how the, the national uh, playoff games – that they should have, you know, three channels and you can go switch to the home announcer and the away announcer because you always you always make the analogy at the end of the season. It's like you took the bride to the wedding and then you don't get to walk her down the aisle. Is that that's what? Right. Yes, it's I just want to say that I think it's a great idea and they should do that. And It sucks that you guys don't get don't get out. Do you think there's ever going to be something like that? Like college football does it with the coaches on ESPN, two and the national yeah. broadcast on ESPN. I don't know if that's – I know you've, you've mentioned it before. Is there any way that that could possibly happen, do you think? I, I,
2: you know what? i certainly said it enough. Uh, and, and college <laughs> basketball has it too. And I just think yeah. it would serve the fans. Because, I mean, Yankee fans have this irrational hate of Joe Buck, who they think is against them. And the, the, the story I always tell is from 2009. So the Yankees are playing the Phillies in the World Series. And you know, you read you listen to sports radio and uh back in New York and oh Buck hates the Yankees, he hates them, you can hear it in his voice. And then when the series shifted to Philadelphia, you heard the same thing on WIP. He hates the Phillies, so he's doing something. He's a great broadcaster. But I don't think baseball should baseball is a regional sport for the most part. That's where it gets its ratings, that's where it makes the most money. And I think that you should serve your fan base and you know, Fox has paid a lot of money to broadcast the World Series so they should get the ratings but all you need is a secondary audio channel where you could pop on you know me doing the game with with Paul and and Cone or whoever you know it would be and whatever the other team you pop on the other channel and then everybody else in the country would listen to Joe Buck and, and John Smoltz I think it works for everybody but uh, Again, I've been saying a lot. I've mentioned it to, to Rob Manford as well. It doesn't seem like he's getting much traction, so <laughs> we'll stay. Maybe he'll get traction when I'm gone.
0: Oh, well, <laughs> that's that's something I can hold out hope for because I, I don't mind Joe Buck. I don't think I, – I, I actually, he you know goes on some podcasts lately and he's let his personality out, and I actually – I enjoy Joe Buck a lot, but I would gladly switch over to a yes booth over the national booth because the yes booth knows the team better.
2: Right, and you've spent the whole season with us, and – I think that a lot of Yankee fans will look at the local broadcasters as their friend. You know, they've, they've gone through this whole time with them. And all of a sudden, you know, they see us on the, the pre- and post-game show on Yes, and I will tell you, it's one of my least favorite assignments of the year, sitting there through all the postseason games and, like, not doing anything during the game. I mean, it's it, I, I have to fight the urge to, you know, just interact on Twitter the entire game, but then that becomes a mess, so... Uh, you just sit there and you do the pre- and post-game. It's very
0: frustrating. Now you can you can periscope and you can just periscope your own play-by-play from the <laughs> separate booth. I'm sure that would go I over well. I think we'll, we'll get sued by Fox. <laughs> I think so. All right. Well, thank yeah. you very much for coming on and talking to us. We really, really appreciate it. Anytime, guys. Thanks a lot. All right.
2: Thank Enjoy you so the rest much. Of your
0: day. All right. Thanks. All right. Well... There you have it. That was Michael K, who was nice enough to join in. I don't know if you guys could tell. Maybe if you're if you're a seasoned Talking Yanks listener, I guarantee you could pick up the nerves in my voice.
1: Yeah, we <laughs> each each of our first question, we both we both went a little Chris Farley <laughs> show. Uh, uh, well, hey, uh, but uh, no, Mike, Michael Michael K was awesome, man. His uh, he. His 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 personality is great. He uh, a professional just, talker. Yeah, given given the the small quick hitter jokes, the uh, make you laugh but not make you roll out of your chair. The uh, all all of that he he was awesome. We
0: got more into like the Twitter world than I would have I would have thought, but it's like consumes a lot of my day and a lot of his day too. Surprisingly, so
1: yeah, and I think it's I mean once you get sucked in and you find out what Twitter is I think everyone kind of goes through the same cycle where when you find out your niche on Twitter whether it's Yankees Twitter or where you get your breaking news then you dive in then you find out the perils <coughs> of whatever that is and then you have to like readjust but I think a lot of the guys that a lot of the broadcasters that love sports I mentioned SVP and Michael K, and the the weird pick question where I said I love both of them so we'll we'll talk about that another time. Weirdo. But um <laughs> they uh it's it's funny because I I I mentioned Scott Van Pelt cuz when he first got into Twitter, he did exactly what Michael K did. You get you get into arguments with these trolls cuz you love sports so much, you want to talk about it, and you think you're talking about to to just another regular human and then it finally clicks that like, "Oh, I'm talking to a troll." This this isn't real life. That's a really
0: shitty point. Like, cause I'm still at the spot where I just love talking, so I'll talk to anyone who talks to me. When you get down, and right. then you're like three, three conversations in, and they're just like so stubborn and stupid. Like, not even troll. Like, cause a troll knows they're being a troll, and they're just like irrational. I think. And then you're like, God damn it! Why did I put energy into this?
1: Right. But anyway. Um, um, anyways, if you
0: enjoyed, if you enjoyed that interview with Michael K. And it's the first one you listen to on our series of September call-ups. It's actually the fourth we've done. We had Ryan Ruco, we had Jay from River Ave Blues, and we had DJ Eberly from AAA. We have, I think, four more to come to finish out the month of September. If you're enjoying those, we are happy because we enjoy talking to these people about the stuff we love, which is Yankees baseball. If you want to support, you can go to patreon.com slash yanks and it's $2 a month, gets you early access to every episode, gets you video access so you can watch the videos while we talk, and it gets you live access if you want to join in live while we're after every series we go live and people will be in there and after each show after each series recap we will have a conversation with whoever is hanging out live with us and it's more kind of just fun conversations or it's a lot of time shit we didn't talk about this okay let's talk about this now for the patrons at the end oh and it also gets your name in a raffle (laughs) at the end of each month anyway um In a moment of sincerity, which I think we do a lot anyway, it's not a big change, but thank you, everyone that follows along on Twitter, that interacts, that listens to this show, that spreads this show, that supports us in any way, because we are climbing up and it's been a wild climb. And I don't think I would say we're at the first base camp, but from the ground level last year, we didn't even have a show. I had... 297 followers on twitter uh, f- to, to go from there less than two years ago to michael k coming on the show is a large part of uh how dedicated jake and i have got to doing this and providing entertainment and talk but it's much larger in the fact that you guys are supportive and enjoy it and everything so uh, thank you very much for helping us get to the first plateau Go get some more of your friends and family to join us for the end of September and the playoffs to get us to that next plateau, and then eventually all the way up to the mountain peak, whatever the hell that is. I don't know what it is, but uh, for real, thank you guys. You're awesome. Really appreciate it. Wouldn't have done any of this if we didn't have people that enjoyed, supported, interacted with us every day.
1: Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you got the big one in there, so I'll, I'll keep it high and tight. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Any patreon shirts and all that stuff uh we obviously appreciate that but yeah just following and having a good time that's uh it's already opened doors that we didn't we didn't really think (laughs) were available so thank you all right thank you very much uh we
0: will be back our next episode will be thursday or friday i think thursday and it'll be the minnesota twins series recap see you guys go yankees tell them grandma
1: go yankees